Amen. Thank you, guys. I don't know if my mic, is my mic working? Okay, because it just came apart into two pieces. And I sort of just screwed it back together. So, you know, hopefully it's all right. If it's not, I don't know that I need a mic anyway. Uh, go ahead and get in your Bible to John chapter 8. Appreciate the song. What a great thought. Uh, listen, there's only one way to get rid of your sins, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 8, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We'll be on page 787. On Sunday mornings, we've been working our way through a series on great truths communicated through simple words. Remember, profound things are best understood when they are communicated to us through the vehicle of simplicity. When complex things are communicated to us with difficult words, uh, they are often misunderstood and at times not understood at all. But God makes sure that the things that are the most important to Him are communicated to us with simple words. And so many months ago now, from a list of 916 verses in our Bible, uh, where every word in that verse is a one-syllable word with the exception of a name or a number, I prayerfully put together this series of thoughts. Last Sunday morning, we talked together about the blessing of seeing and hearing Jesus. And though we sometimes take it for granted because the copies of the words and deeds of Jesus are so readily available to us in America, uh, we lose sight of the fact that we're very blessed to have them in our own language. In simple terms, Jesus made sure that His disciples understood how blessed they were to see Him and hear Him. It's amazing when we think of that statement and all that Jesus said and did that a lot of people in His own day, during His own ministry, didn't bother to go see Him, didn't bother to hear Him, didn't bother to check out what He had to say, but those who did we're privileged to do so because many righteous people, people of faith for many centuries had longed for the days when you would be able to hear and see uh, the Messiah. And we encouraged one another uh, because all of us very often just become uh, lackadaisical with things that have value and people that have value when we're familiar with them. And it's no surprise that even the disciples, despite what they saw and heard, uh, became familiar and took Jesus for granted. And we encouraged one another last week to not take people or things or the Lord Jesus Christ or His words or deeds and our access to Him for granted, but rather to appreciate them. Today, we arrive at a thought that involves two powerful words. You know, there are some words that are powerful by nature. Some words that are powerful by nature are powerful because of the pain they instantly bring to anyone who hears them. Other words are powerful by nature because of the way they stir our heart when we hear them. The powerful words I'd like to discuss today are truth and freedom. See, anyone who pauses to think about either of those words will be struck by just how powerful they are. But outside of those who are familiar with the words of Jesus, those words are not automatically linked together. Now, most of us enjoy the availability of information today. 
I mean, who among us hasn't been in a bit of a disagreement and you break out your phone and Google it? I mean, this week I Googled several things as I was putting together my message. When Sharon and I are watching some television show, I mean, very often we will Google somebody that's on there. I mean, what's their net worth? <laughs> Ever do that? Or you look up their personal life and you think to yourself, wow, it's just as bad as I thought it would be. But I probably am not the only person here who rarely goes beyond the first page of a Google search. Which means that not only are there lots of things online that are not true, but the fact of the matter is, is that Facebook and Google are even controlling what parts of information we even have access to. You see, with all this information available to us, truth has become harder and harder to find in our culture. And when truth is harder and harder to find, freedom becomes increasingly rare because lies put all of us in bondage. There's not a person here this morning who hasn't been hurt by believing something that you thought to be true that you later learned to be a lie. Hear me when I say without truth, there can be no lasting, healthy relationships. If there is no truth in a relationship, that's not a healthy relationship. Without truth, there could be no lasting, healthy culture or government because truth is essential to remaining free. Without truth, we cannot have a healthy relationship with our Creator. And He created us to be free. And freedom requires truth to remain healthy. I wonder how much effort this morning the people within the sound of my voice make to tell the truth, to hear the truth, to face the truth, to value the truth. You see, our freedom in life and our relationship with God is linked to learning, facing, and valuing truth. If you're able to stand this morning, if you would stand, please, in honor of God's Word. The title of my thought this morning is Breaking the Chains of Lies. Breaking the Chains of Lies. In John chapter 8, we read together, beginning in verse 30, where it says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Thank you, you might be seated. In John chapter 8, Jesus is in conflict with the religious leaders of the Jews, and as His life and ministry went on, this became increasingly common and it became increasingly sharp. 
Uh, by the way, his conflict with the religious leaders of the Jews had nothing to do with the religious leaders of the Jews taking the Bible too seriously or paying too much attention to the details of the Bible. It had everything to do with them valuing their religious traditions above the written words of God. That particular day, conflict started when they brought a woman to him that they claimed had been taken in adultery, and they wanted him to publicly declare that she should be condemned. Uh, they had no idea that when Jesus came the first time, he came the first time to save the world rather than to condemn the world. And in fact, in this case, though, they brought only the woman when the law of Moses required that both the man and the woman taken in adultery be brought and both be condemned. Jesus, of course, did not condone this woman's adultery. In fact, He very specifically told her, go and sin no more. Jesus, of course, did not support he did support sin being judged, but he made sure that those who were there that day understood that the unsaved Pharisees were not qualified to be a judge over this woman. And the way this whole conflict went down and was handled by Jesus caused those who were there listening to everything that happened and watching the events of that day, it caused many to believe on him. And that's what verse 30 says, as he spake these words... Many believed on him. By the way, there's something very powerful about standing strongly and clearly against sin and yet being warm to those who are guilty of the sin. That's to be like Jesus. Whereas we tend to either be on one end or the other. You see, them choosing to believe on Him to be the Christ, it moved Jesus to make sure that they understood that believing on Him and being a true disciple was not something you just said or walked away from unchanged. And that's why He said to those who believed on Him in verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, if ye continue in My Word, then are you My disciples indeed. By the way, a disciple of Jesus is somebody who continues in His Word after you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if you want to be a disciple that pleases Jesus, you must continue in His Word. Not just get in His Word enough to be saved and set it all aside to live your best life now, so to speak. It is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be His disciple requires continuing in His Word. And those who continue in His Word, He tells them that they will know the truth and the truth will make them free. Verse 32, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Notice all one-syllable words. A biblical principle God makes clear by stating it so simply. Know the truth the truth makes you free. Lies and deception bring bondage and chains of some sort. Truth makes us free. The words of Jesus are truth. We should continue in His words to know the truth because it is in knowing the truth that we will become free. 
Now, because the religious leaders uh, were in conflict with Jesus and they loved their traditions and what they already believed more than they were interested in hearing the truth, they they bristle up at Jesus talking uh, uh, like that. And by the way, when someone bristles up at, at not liking what's said, you know, a lot of times what comes out of their mouth next doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly what happened uh, because what they say doesn't make any sense in verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Now, this is a really dumb statement. They didn't like what Jesus said. And by by the way, when you're looking for an excuse or what you might call a reason to reject what Jesus said, anything will do. Uh, Listen, uh, they were Abraham's seed. They were the physical offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they had been in bondage lots of times. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were in bondage to the Assyrians. They were in bondage to the Persians. They were in bondage to the Babylonians. And at that very moment, they were in bondage to Rome and the Romans. But hear me when I say the worst bondage they were in that morning was not... Roman bondage. It was spiritual bondage because they were enslaved to the lies of their religion. You see, the Judaism Jehovah started with Abraham there at Mount Sinai had become corrupted over the centuries to where they no longer valued what was written. They valued instead their religious traditions over the written words of God. Now, by the way, people who don't know the words of God, they have no idea what the words of God say and what is their religious traditions. By the way, that's a sad state to be in. They were enslaved to their heartless spiritual leaders who required all kinds of difficult things from them that they wouldn't lift a finger themselves to do. They were enslaved to the religious and cultural traditions which didn't simply add to what was written, they actually contradicted what was written in God's Word. Hear me when I say Roman bondage was not as bad as the emotional bondage of lies and deception. Hear me when I say Roman bondage was not as bad as the spiritual bondage of believing false doctrine. And when you and I don't know sound biblical doctrine, we're very vulnerable to every wind of man's doctrines and the whims of our own fickle hearts. Your heart and my heart cannot be trusted. True freedom comes from Jesus Christ and the truth that He has set forth before anyone and everyone who wants to know it. Verse 36 If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. See, there there are terrible chains of bondage on anyone who thinks that devotion to your religion is going to give you eternal life. You're in bondage. That's why Ephesians says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, if you're here today and you believe that somehow, someday, when you face God in judgment, and you will face God in judgment, whether you think you will or not, you will. 
If you think that just because God is going to someday put your good works in one side of a balance and your bad works in another side of the balance, and if you somehow have more good than bad, that He's going to just give you a pass into heaven. Listen, you are living lies and deception. That's why Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. He saved us. And so in the simple simplest possible terms, all one syllable words, Jesus made sure we understand that it is the truth that makes us free. Verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hope you understand there is a big contrast in the Lord Jesus and our spiritual adversary. By the way, if you're here and you don't believe there's a literal devil, you're already being duped. I mean, one of the things that our world best gives witness to is the fact that there's not just a force for good at work in our world. Listen, you don't have to look very far in our world to see a force for evil at work as well. And unfortunately, most of our culture blames everything they see on God instead of understanding that God is at work for what is good and right and Satan is at work for lies and deception. In fact, Jesus is going to describe our physical adversary in this same context here in verse 44. And imagine saying this to the religious leaders, year of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Did you hear that? Our spiritual adversary is not just a murderer, he is a liar and there is no truth in him. In fact, it was the Jewish leader's lack of interest in truth that have that was at the root of them rejecting Jesus in verse 45. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Let me ask you this morning, do you want to hear the truth? Are you willing to face the truth? Are you interested in the truth? What if the truth is contrary to much of American culture? What if the truth is contrary to much of what calls itself Christianity in America? What if the truth is contrary to the way you were raised? Are you interested in truth? In contrast to Satan being a liar and the father of it, Jesus Christ is the truth. He speaks the truth. He stands for the truth. He is not a liar or a deceiver in any way. In fact, he is the sinless son of the living God and every word he speaks is truth Hear Him. Now, it's very sad to me as I look at the world around me and look at different videos and things I've seen over the years, at things people claim to be true, and people who are in the bondage of false doctrine. I've seen videos of people in Latin America crucifying themselves. Thinking that somehow in that imitation of the Lord Jesus Christ and in their suffering, that God is somehow going to wash their sins away because of that. That's a lie. That's a chain. That's deception. I've seen videos and heard reports of people crawling up steps on their knees until their knees bleed. 
as if God is going to somehow look down and say, wow, I see the pain and suffering that you're in and those scrapes on your knees, therefore I will overlook all your sins. Listen, that is a chain, that is a lie, that is a deception. The only blood that ever can save and wash away anybody's sin is the blood of Jesus. And so what I'd like to do this morning is just make some observations and applications of the truth setting us free. Here's number one. Lying is a big deal to God and not a big, big enough deal to most of us. Lying is a big deal to God and not a big enough deal to most of us. Notice as Jesus finishes this conversation with his, these religious leaders after telling him and them in verse 44 that their father was the devil. Notice what he says to them in verse 54. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. (laughs) Interesting. See, people have things they consider to be, quote, little white lies, purposely not telling the truth when to them the truth doesn't seem to matter. People have what they would consider to be situational lying that they overlook, purposely telling, not telling the truth to stay out of trouble. (laughs) In fact, if you're a parent here, you didn't have to teach your children to lie. You had to teach them to tell the truth. The fallen nature of every human being is such that we quite naturally lie. In fact, it's not a good thing, but I've known some people in my life who seem to be gifted liars. A lot of them are in politics. Some of them are in sales. (laughs) Not every salesman or politician is a liar, but you can find some. Some are in professions of all sorts, living tangled webs of lies, enslaving those close to them by their lies. In contrast to that, the God of the Bible, Jehovah God, God is holy. God is a God of truth. God highly values integrity and truth. And truth isn't easy to speak at times. In fact, in the text we just read, we experience a side of Jesus that so many in America today who have feminized the real Jesus seem to ignore. Not only did it take a lot of good courage to look at these religious leaders and say, your father, the devil, imagine looking at them in verse 4 and say, listen, it is my father that honoreth me of whom you say that he is your God, yet you've not known him. But I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I should be a liar like unto you. I mean, that is very bold talk. People who didn't love the truth We're not interested in Jesus. By the way, that's true today. People who are not interested in hearing, not interested in learning, not interested in facing the truth, they're not interested in a church like this. They're not interested in someone preaching and teaching the Bible to them. They're not interested in that. To these Jewish leaders, I mean, imagine he tells them God was his father, makes him the son of God, his deity, 
He tells them to their face that they didn't know God. They're religious leaders. They're in Judaism. You don't know God. He's my Father. And then to their face, He calls them all liars. So what did they smile and decide to believe? Well, not according to verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at Him. But Jesus hid Himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. See, it wasn't His time to die. Stoning was not the method by which the Old Testament prophesied the Messiah would die. And so, He just walked away. Did you know one of the most basic moral commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor? Don't lie. Did you know the Bible says, whosoever loveth and maketh a lie will forever be outside the city of God with the murderers and the idolaters and the whoremongers? Revelation twenty-two fifteen. Did you know that the Bible says that all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone? Revelation 21, 8. Listen, if you're sitting here thinking that you, don't have to mur- you have to murder somebody to end up in hell, you don't understand the holiness of God. You also don't understand the New Testament defines hating someone as spiritual murder. But, but listen, you don't have to do anything like that to end up in hell. All you have to do is lie. And the fact of the matter is, there's not a person in here this morning who's not told hundreds, and in many cases, thousands of lies over the course of your life. And a part of the reason for that is, we don't value truth and integrity like our God teaches us to. There's a reason the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Which means that not just those Jewish leaders, but everyone within the sound of my voice this morning You need forgiveness and salvation with God. Have you ever humbled yourself to look at your sins like Jesus does? Do you know your sins separate you from God? Your sins and mine are the reason Jesus came to suffer and die. It was your sins and mine that Jesus carried upon the cross that caused Him to be separated from His Father for the first time ever from eternity when He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was at that moment He carried your sins. He carried mine. He carried your hatred and mine. Your lying and mine. Your blasphemy blasphemy and mine. He carried that on His cross and He suffered and He died to pay for those sins. There is no escape if you miss Jesus. The love of our God, the great love of our everlasting God all funnels down through Jesus of Nazareth. Listen. Your lies will find you out. No one can escape the inevitable light that truth will shed on any lies that any of us are living. If you're here this morning, you're living a lie. It's time for you to come home to Jesus. Time for you to repent, build your integrity and honesty. I'm talking to husbands and wives who are living lies. You have secret lives in your places of employment. You have secret lives in your computer and phone. Uh, and, and, and listen, you're living that lie. Be sure your sin will find you out. 
One of the most important things a parent teaches their children is the value of integrity. And you will have to teach them. Say, Brother Wally, how do I do that? It starts with your example. Let me ask you, parent and grandparent, are you an example of integrity your children can trust? I grow weary hearing stories of children disappointed by parents who said one thing and did something else. In fact, if you lived that or are living that, my heart goes out for you. Because you ought to be able to trust the word and the loving heart of your parent. Come home to Christ. Quit living your lie. I have no doubt there are people in here this morning, you're a pretend Christian. And what you seem to be when you come in here, it's literally a lie. You know good and well you don't try to be what you seem to be here at home. You know good and well you don't try to be what you seem to be here in your workplace. You know good and well you don't try to be what you seem to be here when you're out on Friday and Saturday night with your friends. I call you to repentance. I call you to a life of transparency. I call you to a life of integrity. I want to call you to that because our God is truth. Because Jesus is truth. And because truth sets us free. But it's not just that being a liar is a big deal to God and often not a big enough deal to us. Secondly, if you turn up a few pages to John chapter 17. He said, Brother Wally, if I knew you were going to preach like this, I wouldn't have come today. Well, that's right. I got you here today. Listen, we ought to love the parts of the Bible where Jesus says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We ought to love the parts of the Bible where Jesus looks out at the crowd and says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We don't love the parts of the Bible where it gets down to the last days and just a few short hours before they would betray Him. The Bible makes the simple observation and having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. We ought to love those parts of the Bible, but listen, we ought to also love the parts of the Bible that cut like a knife. Truth. Because they both matter. And it's not just that God defines lying as sin, and far too many of us take it lightly. Secondly, this morning, God's Word is truth. Therefore, we need to make an effort to learn what it says and does not say. God's Word is truth. Therefore, we need to learn what it says and what it does not say. In what is actually the Lord's Prayer, people wrongly call that prayer in Matthew chapter 6 the Lord's Prayer, when in reality, Jesus is not praying. He's teaching His disciples how to pray. But in John chapter 17, we're actually reading the Lord Jesus praying. And in a part of His prayer, He says in John chapter 17 and verse 17, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. There's likely no area of life where there's more contradictory information than in the area of religion and the spiritual realm. 
Listen, you can find anything and everything online because any unkept human being can be living at 40 in the basement of their parent eating Aldi Cheerios and putting something online as if it's true. By the way, Aldi Cheerios aren't as good as Cheerio Cheerios. And it's not just that everyone has access to a keyboard. Understand that our spiritual adversary is a master deceiver. There's a reason he's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Because understand this, is that he loves to devour those who are ignorant and those who are careless. And he does his most effective work amongst God's people when he dons the clothing of a sheep. For those of you that that wasn't clear enough, he pretends to be Christian. In fact, tonight I'm going to speak about what's been going on at Asbury College. For anybody who wants to compare what's going on to the Bible. For anybody who wants to. If you don't want to, probably tonight's not a good night to show up. I wasn't planning to show anyway. Well, we got a deal then. He does his most effective work pretending to be a Christian and lies thrive in the shadow of spiritual ignorance. The fact of the matter is, is that in 2023, most American churches are so focused on worship and music and singing instead of teaching and preaching the Scriptures that their pews and chairs are filled with people who know little more about the Bible than the plan of salvation. And sadly, those spiritual leaders are proud of it. They're proud their people don't know much about the Bible beyond the gospel. Don't misunderstand me. The gospel is the first thing people need to hear. Don't misunderstand me. The gospel is the only way people find eternal life. But hear me when I say those who have found eternal life will never live a secure and stable Christian life without sound doctrine. You said, Brother Wally, doctrine divides. Yes. Sound doctrine divides people from those who believe in no sound doctrine from those who don't. But it also produces stable Christians and stable churches. There's no group of believers so unified as a church who seeks to love God, love one another, and who are united in the key biblical doctrines of the Scriptures. According to Jesus, he said, God's word is truth. Which means the book you and I hold in our hands this morning doesn't just contain truth, it is truth. Every word is true. Every word is the truth of God. If we want to learn mathematical truth, we go to a math teacher. If we want to learn language truth, we go to an English teacher. If we want to learn historical truth, we go to a history teacher. If we want to learn biological truth, we go to a science teacher. But the only way you and I can reliably learn spiritual truth is to go to the book of God and read the words that our Savior says are true. Not only to learn the words of what it takes to live forever, but also to learn what God's Word says about how to live wisely here and now. 
It is a tragedy to me that there are so many people who are ignorant of what our Creator teaches about how to live. Listen, salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no other way to eternal life. But hear me when I say you can have a saved soul and a messed up life if you will not pay attention to how God said we ought to live as a follower of Jesus. You ever take a philosophy class, and quite honestly, I'd recommend against it. But if for whatever reason you feel compelled to sit on the end of a sewer pipe to get a drink of water, when they ask the question, what is truth? The only reliable answer to that question is what Jesus said here, God's word is truth. Have zero respect for any philosophical foundation or system that does not have that as its root. God is gifted and called pastors and teachers to teach His people the Word of God. And I've said this a hundred times, I'm going to say it again this morning. Be skeptical of anyone you don't know personally. God has placed His Holy Spirit in true believers to teach His people the Word of God. Make time to read the Bible yourself. Because the Holy Spirit teaches true believers as we read God's Word, and the Holy Spirit teaches us through faithful men who have been taught sound doctrine so that they could teach it to us. Hear me when I say, if you know Christ, you will know when someone is teaching and preaching the Bible and pointing you to Christ and God's Word. You will know if you want to know. Listen, I'm not here this morning to point you to me. I'm here to take any influence or voice or position that God has placed me in in life and point you to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the precious words of God. You may not like it, but there's a reason here. There's a lot of pressure to read your Bible. You may not like it, but there's a reason. There's a lot of pressure here to memorize your Bible, to hide God's Word in your heart. He said, Brother Wall, I wish you'd take that pressure off because I'm sick of feeling bad about myself not reading the Bible and never hiding God's Word in my house. I am not going to take the pressure off because knowing God's Word is the only way you will be protected from lies. We must know the truth, and God's Word is truth. There's a reason I try to get you to bring your Bible whenever, time, whenever we assemble. So I didn't bring mine today. That's fine. We got them here. But I wish you'd bring yours. Say, why? I want you to follow along. I'm suddenly trying to teach you the difference in someone who's not afraid to have what they're saying scrutinized with the Bible and someone who would stand before you and just talk about all kinds of things as if there was no Bible they were supposed to be teaching from. I'm just going to read this statement I have in my notes. You cannot be sure something is true because you tingle or your emotions are moved unless what is being said is consistent with this book. You cannot be sure something is true because you tingle or your emotions are moved unless what is being said is consistent with this book. Let me ask you this morning, what kind of effort do you make to learn what the Bible says and does not say? 
Do you trust YouTube and blogs and books written by people you don't know more than godly people you do know? People you can personally speak to. People you know how they live. You know how they treat people. Listen, if you come here much, you'll get to know me well, and what you'll find out is a very simple thing. Brother Wally is a sinner whose human frailties and faults get the best of him at times. But he does sincerely try to follow what he teaches. And that should be the testimony of every godly person here this morning. See, until you learn what this book says, you'll be in, under bondage to the whims of whoever talks to you. Now, I know this is going to be uh, kind of hard to hear for some of you, so if you're tenderhearted, just put your fingers in your ears. Uh, I grew up in a rural area of Michigan, really a generation and a half ago, and we had something that many of you have never seen. It's called a doghouse. And where I grew up, everybody kept their dog in a doghouse. And what you would do is you would chain your dog to a tree where they could reach their house, or you would have a stake you put down in the ground, and their chain would reach their house, and your dog lived like that. And, and honestly, they were content as content could be. There's not a kid who grew up, when I grew up, where you couldn't say, you know what, I went and sat in that insect-infested doghouse with my dog and petted my dog. You didn't think a thing of it. It may shock you, we fed our dogs table food. They chewed on real bones. See, we, we just felt like if you were so dumb as a dog, you couldn't chew a bone, that you need to be removed from the dog gene pool. But if you had the dog, I mean, what would always happen is inevitably that dog would wrap his chain around the tree and you go out there and your dog is standing next to the tree, can't even <laughs> sit down. In fact, we thought we were being really gracious uh, at when my mom finally got a clothes dryer and she stopped hanging the laundry out on the clothesline. We hung a wire and we put the dog's chain on the wire. And so that dog not only had his length of chain to run, but he could run from one uh, post to the other. I mean, honestly, we thought like we were the best dog owners in the entire township. But if you grew up in that area, you know what I say when, when I would say, you know what, all the time your dog would be tangled up. And this was the kid's job. You would go outside, you'd mutter under your breath, dumb dog. And you'd go untangle the dog who really actually seemed perfectly content, though he was so tightly wrapped around the tree, he couldn't even lay down. See, so what I'm saying to you this morning is some of you are chained because of your ignorance to this book. This word is truth. You may be content in your spiritual ignorance because you don't know what it's like to live unchained, but, but I'm challenging you this morning with this simple but profound statement of the Lord Jesus, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and this book is truth. It isn't worship or music that makes you free. It is the truth of God that makes us free because God's word is truth. Hear me when I say worship means nothing to God without truth. 
Our Creator is not a desperate being who is just fine with any scrap of anything some human being throws Him. He is looking for people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It isn't doing what we feel like or what our heart feels like that makes us free. It's in knowing and following God's truth. Hear me when I say there is incredible freedom to those who know, understand, and apply the truths of God's Word. I thought I was free when I was unsaved, living in the college fraternity house. I later learned I was in bondage to my social status, my friends, and alcohol. Those were all terrible masters. None cared about my future. I thought I was free when I followed my heart. But I learned that I was in bondage to one of the most fickle leaders anyone could choose. My heart is a terrible master. At times it is tender. At other times it is prideful and selfish. And your heart is no better. When I heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at age 24 and chose to humble myself, to repent and believe and receive Jesus Christ, God changed my heart. Because He changes every heart in which He dwells. I didn't say He changes us all to the same degree, but He changes every heart in which He lives. Let me ask you this morning, you have a heart changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you committed to learning and applying God's truth. Anybody in this room this morning who is somewhere between 25 and 85 who have tried to apply God's truth in their life would testify this simple thing. I have become more and more free the more I made what God says what my life is like. What kind of bondage are you in this morning? What kind of chains are you wearing? Growing in knowledge of Jesus? Or no? Listen, anybody wants to, you can come to Sunday school. Anybody wants to, you can come back tonight. We're, we're just here to preach and teach God's Word because the truth makes people free. Do you know what the key Bible doctrines even are? And if you know what key Bible doctrines are, do you know why you believe them? I just challenge and encourage you to learn of Christ. To learn this book. Because if you do, you'll be more free than you ever could possibly be any other way. If you quietly stand.